All right, here we are at episode 19 of Exponential Growth. And today we're going to be talking with Kenneth Anderson. He runs the student incubator at Louisiana State University, LSU. And I'm glad to be LSU student. I got a pretty amazing story about three years ago. I got a chance to join the student incubator even before Kenneth was here. I was at BRCC. I was able to join and I'm telling you, it was at that time one of the best decisions I made as I grew as an entrepreneur because of the community, the engagement, the I mean, all the entrepreneurs, they are actually here and in Louisiana, they're running pretty successful companies. They came out of the student incubator. So we'll talk about that later. But Kenny, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's go ahead and get started and, and, and just talk more about the, the program and what exactly is the student incubator. So since, since 1988, we have been a full-service business incubator out here. We help all kinds of companies at all different stages kind of tackle the challenges of the startup entrepreneurial process. So we have physically out here, we have about 40 wet labs, we have office space, and we help these local tech companies. Obviously, their value comes in in renting real estate and then getting access to the consulting services and the business services incubator services on top of that. But we understand, we kind of started seeing in 2010 that a lot of students wanted access to these same kind of resources. So we started the formal student incubator program in 2010. And we started providing all these business services, all these startup incubation counseling services for full-time, part-time, doctoral, all LSU students basically. So in a nutshell, you get all of the incubator services without having to actually rent space from us. And okay, it's any student can join. There is, of course, an application process. And what what's the criteria? That's that's the nice thing about the student incubator is our our business incubator out here, where we rent space to people, are mostly tech companies. They're mostly light manufacturing, software, some selling, some e-commerce, but they're mostly tech companies. The student incubator is non-industry specific. It's non-department specific. We have people from all colleges. We have everything from t-shirt companies to app companies and software companies. It's open to any student, current student. We actually, if you join the program before you graduate, you can stay in for a year after you graduate, still be eligible for everything. So it's, it's pretty flexible from that standpoint. We really don't turn students away. So yeah, we're, we're pretty open to everybody across colleges, which is nice. Yeah, this is for anybody here in Baton Rouge or Louisiana. There are pretty amazing resources. And, and you guys host this every year. You, got, you guys have this event the Venture Challenge. Yeah, the Venture Challenge is kind of our flagship event. We work toward it throughout the year. The nice part about it is it's only open to student incubator members, so you have to be a member, a good standing member of the formal program to participate in it. Usually we have about 30 to 40 members in the program at any given time. Of course, we understand students get busy with schoolwork, semesters on and off, may go home for the summer, so we're really flexible on letting, letting students in and out of the program. But it's only open to students who are in the program at the time. It takes place every spring. It is a business plan competition at heart. So everybody does have to write a business plan. Myself and the rest of our team of consultants are highly involved in this process. We help with the business planning. We help with the financial model. Essentially, if you work with us for a few months, we will get you a business plan that is ready to take to the bank. You have pro forma financials and a nice polished business plan. So that's the first round. You have to write a business plan for the first round. Last year, I had 26 first round entries, which was the most we've ever had. Like I said, these are all polished, nice business plans with financials. So those go out to network of first-round judges, which are entrepreneurs, community members, people in our network, business owners. They judge the plans. Each plan is seen by about five judges. From there, based on that criteria, four winners emerge. So those four winners get to go on to the final live round, which is kind of like Shark Tank. So you go in. It's usually at Lodcook. Sometimes we switch up locations. 
but the room is full. The judges are there, and the judges have $25,000 that we raise. It's not state money. It's not LSU money. We raise it from people around Baton Rouge. A lot of them are in the audience, so they, they are connected and care about what happens with this money. But the four finalists get 10 minutes to pitch in the final round. The judges have the 25000 and they split up the 25000 based on how investable these businesses are. So the most that you can get is 15000 The least you can get is 1000 So like two years ago, we had someone who got fifteen. They The judges saw that they were going to really take this money, leverage it back into the business, and kind of, in this case, they were going to open a second location. So if you can make a case for it, you can get up to $15,000. It's a great chance at capital kind of right here in our backyard. It's typically hard for students to raise venture capital money, angel money, even bank loans as hard as a student if you don't have any collateral. So this is kind of our way of combating that a little bit on campus. Again, it's a great event. It's open to all students. It's never too early to get started. You have to write a business plan. Then if you make the final round, you're guaranteed at least $1,000. So I can provide more information on that. And this is no equity. I mean, you're, you guys... We honestly are We're proud of the fact that the money is yours. We follow up with all these businesses. We have a great track record. But honestly, you don't ever have to talk to us again after you get that check. And we want it that way. We want it to be your startup money. There are some strings attached, but... There's not a lot of red tape for getting the cash. You leave the room with the check during the event, so it's a good deal. Yeah, this this year I got a chance to join, and actually I won. <laughs> yeah, we were happy to have you. Yeah, you won some money even. That's right. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, so we got a couple basic questions that we cover here at Exponential Growth, and one of those is business model. In this case, this is an organization that's part of a bigger organization, correct? It's kind yeah, of yeah, correct. We are part. We are under the Office of Research and Economic Development at LSU, but our our kind of entity out here on our campus is the the Innovation Park. So we're the LSU Innovation Park. We have a lot of tenants out here, and the Student Incubator is a program of the Innovation Park. So the business model is, again, it basically gives students access to all these resources that we've been providing for these tech startups for going on 28 years. So students have access to that. We do charge $25 a month for students in the formal program. I don't charge in the summer. We want you to come back in the summer. I can usually charge you straight on your fee bill, so it's an easy payment process. It is $25 for those services. So that is kind of the business model. But honestly, with all of our other programs out here, we eat what we kill. So we make enough money off of rent from our tenants that we don't need much LSU money or anything like that. So the student incubator is not a main source of revenue for us. We do have to charge a little bit because we give away some good good prizes and things like that throughout the year. But the student, we're not too concerned with the revenue. We just want to help students. So we don't turn students away. If there's an issue with the fees or anything like that, we'll work with you. So Yeah, so that's the business model. And then the um, money, how you guys make money? Yeah, basically it is that we do charge the students $25 a month. That's the only revenue that comes from the student program. But the bulk, like you say, it's through the rent of the other biggest space and not necessarily from the student incubator. Yeah, so the innovation park as a whole, we make money from rent revenues. We do get some state money too, but we have about 30 tenants who pay rent monthly out here, so we do pretty well. Can you describe the facilities here? We are, we're actually at the con one of the conference rooms here at the building at the LBTC. Yeah, so we have a few acres out here. We've got about 40 chemistry labs out back. We've got a bunch of office space, and we have about 35 tenant companies who are physically headquartered here. So their physical headquarters are here. A lot of them are in R&D, some of them have federal grant money, some of them are revenue positive. Like I said, most of them are tech companies. But so their value, again, comes in in the real estate. We have 40 chemistry labs, we've got office space all over. We see the counseling and the coaching as more valuable than the business services, but we do also have all, of, they have access to all of the ancillary business services. Margaret downstairs can answer the phone as a receptionist. You can use our state rates for UPS and FedEx. You can book our conference rooms online. We have a lot of space for meetings. So we have all of those kind of ancillary business services as well. And then they get access to the consulting. So the facilities are mostly 
conference rooms, offices, wet labs. The student incubator does have a co-working space. We do have a 1,200-square-foot co-working space for students out here on campus. The students have 24-7 access to. So that's that's kind of the layout of the of the area. In Simple Wars, you literally get, for $25, you get a pretty amazing place to work. Yeah. And, I mean, the beauty about this, which is I got Josh, a friend of mine. He's a student as well. He's running e-commerce. He's hanging out with, with us today here. But like I said, I mean, usually entrepreneurs or, you know, student entrepreneurs will be getting work done anywhere we can get Wi-Fi or a computer by ourselves. And then, but here you can hang out with other people that are doing the exact same thing. You got a co-working space. And basically what that is, is literally you get a table and then different spaces that you can get to work. But then when you take a break, you see other people doing the same thing. So you are not the only lonely entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's an entrepreneurial environment for sure. I also will mention that we do have a, a full service prototyping center out here. So we have an, a mechanical engineering student who is highly capable of design work, and it's cheap, too. You pay his hourly salary, and we don't make much money off the prints. Our average prototype cost, I think, is around less than $200. So we have two 3D printers, we have a CNC mill, we have a laser cutter, and we have an engineer who kind of runs that center. So also, when you asked about facilities, everybody out here has access to that as well. So we can print physical prototypes. Yeah. In fact, let's, th- let's take a step back and, and just touch. When you talk about the business model, usually the business model, quote-unquote, traditional business model, is this couple dozen pages or hundred of pages, and it's very antique, and it's not sometimes helpful because you're spending so much time and stuff that you didn't even know it's going to happen that way or not. But you do guys use, and I love this whiteboard that you guys have about the lean canvas, and you guys have a different approach in business planning. Yeah, we're kind of believers in the fact that the 30-page text-heavy business plans are kind of done. Investors don't want to see those, bankers don't want to see them, people don't really want to read those anymore. So we have kind of adapted to an extended executive summary format, and that all starts with a lean canvas, which is a nice tool for early-stage startups. It's a one-page business model basically that makes you think makes you think along the lines of a process from a problem solution standpoint what's the market problem what solution are you providing who are your first moving customers what are your customer segments what's your cost structure revenue model and it really makes you kind of think about it in a concise way and it transitions nicely to a business plan so we do our business plans from a problem market problem what is your solution product or service standpoint and the lean can lean canvas transitions nicely to that so we kind of give that For early stage people, it forces them to think about a lot of things they haven't yet. So we like to give that as homework rather than kind of sitting in here and us coming up with the answers. If you can go home and really think about it, it will poke holes in your business throughout the exercise kind of as a deliverable. But it transitions nicely to a business plan when it's done well. So that's kind of what we've been using for all these student companies. And most of the entrepreneurship classes actually on campus use this as well now. So it's not a 20-page business plan template anymore. A lot of people start with this one-page lean canvas. And actually, we're not we're not quite there yet, but a lot of kind of more tech-savvy investors in San Francisco and Atlanta and places like that, they will send the lean canvas straight to investors. We usually will do some financials and do a bit of an executive summary and kind of clean it up a little bit. But a lot of these more investor-savvy areas are using the lean canvas as a, a document that you could actually present to raise capital. It's a powerful tool. Yeah, I'll put uh, in the show notes links to this canvas. So you guys uh, or anybody listening right now, they can go in the show notes and grab those. Market, it's pretty much like we we talk about any student, we cover that. Then management and, and mentorship, which Craig will, will cover more about that. But management, you guys are a couple people working in the incubator, and then you got some MBA students as well. Yeah, we have uh, myself and three other full-time business consultants. 
with quite a few combined years of experience. And then every semester, we have four MBA graduate assistants also. So we kind of pick and choose our graduate assistants based on their undergrad. Like, obviously, they're all MBAs, but we like to have one who maybe had an con- undergrad concentration in marketing. Of course, we like the finance people, too. So we kind of pick and choose them based on backgrounds, but they're all MBAs. Ideally, we hire them in their first year of school. They kind of take six months to a year to get their feet wet and kind of get trained as a consultant. And then when they come back as a second year after a summer internship or whatever, they're usually kind of ready to almost take on their own clients. So there we've had a lot of good GAs. We're lucky to have them. We also have a mass comm intern who can do some media stuff, press releases, things like that for clients. And then we have that mechanical engineering intern also. So we have... uh, Five students. We have some student workers out here who can do some stuff, but the main staff is the four consultants and all the MBAs. That's kind of the management. Wonderful. In 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 the last M of the uh, five M's that we usually cover, it's mentorship. But in this case, I guess you can apply it and maybe give some examples on how the students or the participants on the program have some success on working with mentors and investors. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of investor introductions. Obviously, we're not going to send you there if you're not ready, but we have a lot of um, investors in our network. So we've been fairly successful for the area as far as raising capital. But the biggest thing that I've seen regarding mentors around here is that we have all of these these incubator tenant companies, like I talked about earlier, who rent space from us. And then when the students kind of come hang out here, if there's somebody who's in the same industry or someone that they're interested in, they're easily accessible. So it really is an incubator community. Like, for example, out here we had we had a student who imports lobster from Massachusetts, sells it to a bunch of places down here. He's got a lot of restaurants on board and everything. He's done, He's got a great little business. And so we have somebody else out back. This guy was a student. The lobster guy was. And then we have someone else out back who does uh, aquaculture systems. So he does these big filtration tanks. So those two hooked up. And so he built, the aquaculture guy ended up building two tanks for the lobster guy. And he introduced him to a crawfish farmer who, they're now partners. And they're exporting crawfish and gulf shrimp up north now. And he's bringing lobster down here. So that kind of collaboration around here is what we love to see. So that's kind of the strongest mentor network we have out here. But then, of course... Our board is entrepreneurs, business people, industry leaders, deans, faculty, things like that. So if you do need an industry connection or somebody that's up your alley to talk to, we can usually make that happen too. So it's a strong network. I have seen in the four years that I've been around here, it's kind of intangible, but the network is a big time deliverable. Yeah. And before uh, Craig takes over and he will cover more about the success stories and the, the mentorship as well. Do you have any success case? Of course, I got to give a big shout out to my friend, Sean Simon. He's the one that actually introduced me to the student incubator and a pretty successful story. He went through the student incubator, one of your graduates at the student incubator, uh, Jello Jacket case. Well, that was one of the case. Can we talk about that? Maybe another couple of examples. Oh, yeah. Sean was a very interesting product. The reason I still like to talk about him, because this took place in about 2011. The reason I still like to talk about him is because he raised 100000 on on a crowdfunding website, Indiegogo, when it was crowdfunding was in its infancy, for sure. So this was a, kind of before people believed in crowdfunding as a real source of capital. He made it happen. So that was, we we're very impressed with that. We have since done a lot more crowdfunding. There is a science to it. There's a right and wrong way to do crowdfunding campaigns. We've had a lot of successes and some failures, but Sean was one on the forefront of that, so that was a and big shout out to Seth as well. He's one the the one the creator uh, of the product itself. <laughs> yeah, interesting product and great way to raise money. That was a uh, and it was it was a, an iPhone case, a stun gun. Yep, it was an iPhone. It was an extra battery, and it was a stun gun. So 
Actually, I think, didn't it start with one of them got robbed? And so he had a phone, and he developed this stun gun case for it. So you could use your phone battery case as a stun gun. It was a very interesting product. You can still look it up. Yeah, the video, actually, we, I'm on the video, actually. <laughs> we recorded that video in a couple hours. But I think that video, the emotion on that video, the storytelling, I think it's one of the critical factors about crowdfunding. Yeah. But uh, we had a, an amazing producer put up that video. And, yeah, I mean, that... That was amazing. Yep, that was a, that was an impressive story. Like I said, we still like any about any it. other uh, success stories lately. I yep. know Mashball. It's yeah, right? we've had a ton. Yep, Mashball was a good one. He's actually in about it's it's a toss game. It's kind of like beer pong in a box. He has a ball that is a little bit heavier, so it doesn't get blown around in the wind. The whole box itself floats, so it's it's an interesting game. And he as Todd worked on this for a long time. He sourced overseas manufacturers himself. Now he's in about 35 Dick Sporting Goods. So he's selling, he's working on licensing deals, he's doing a great job. Another one I like to talk about is we had the drum major, Daniel Went, and a saxophone player, Garrett Kessling. Garrett actually developed it. They have a company called Tonal Innovation. They have a product called an E-Flip, which is when you see the LSU marching band, the Tiger Band people, they all have a flip book of music attached to their marching band instrument. So this flip book is kind of outdated. These two students saw the problems with it. The text is too small. LSU wastes a lot of money every semester on printing all this paper. The wind blows it around, it gets wet. It's just not the optimal solution for these for the music for these marching band students. So these these two students notice that every marching band instrument has a same universal attachment. So the the flipbook, whether it's a saxophone, clarinet, drums, whatever, have a same universal attachment that holds the flipbook. So they came to us just with an idea. They had no physical prototype, they had nothing that they wanted to make an adjustable device that will hold a smartphone or an iPad or some kind of device that you can look at your music digitally, electronically. So they came to us with this idea. We sent them down to our prototype center and our designer, and he designed the whole product for under 200 bucks. And we printed the first one, which they actually used at the bowl game last year, the one that we printed. Since they have sent it to China, they've got a manufacturer. They've fulfilled a bunch of orders. They sold a couple hundred to LSU, fighting a Illini band up in Illinois. So they're selling now. They're doing this. And we like to see that because literally this was an idea for a physical product. They came to us at idea stage. We printed the first prototype, and now they have a product on shelves. So took them from idea stage to revenue stage, which is exactly what we want to do. That's fantastic. Well, everybody that's listening, I highly encourage you, if you're in a position to take advantage of, of these resources, go ahead and contact Kenny as soon as possible. And... We're definitely going to put the contact information here in the show notes, Exponential Growth. But Craig is going to take over for the other segment. And thank you, Ken. Awesome. Thank you. And just a quick note, no idea is too early stage. Again, it's open to all students. We have resources for former students as well. So if you don't want to apply for the formal program or are nervous for coming out here, please just shoot me an email. We can come talk. I can give you a tour of the place. It's We have some great resources out here. Why is incubation so important for the startups and entrepreneurs? Tell me about the benefits or transformation you've seen with these um, young guys while they're here. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times we hear students come out here and say, you know, I wish I would have known about this a year ago. I didn't learn any of this stuff in entrepreneurship classes, which entrepreneurship, granted, is a, a tough thing to kind of teach in the classroom. So out here we have tangible resources. You know, we're not academics. We step in at whatever stage you're at, and we like to see tangible results. So it's not a... Not a cookie cutter process. We're not going to make you do a bunch of, we're not going to make you do a business plan if you don't need a business plan. We're not going to make you do a financial model if you're not seeking capital. 
we want to physically help at whatever stage you're at, at whatever industry. And then kind of from a bigger scope, incubation is important because of economic development. We want these students to stay in Louisiana. We don't want them all going working for other people in Houston. We want to put money back in the community here. So that's, that's important as well for LSU students. So that's kind of our our two goals are to start and grow a business while you're in school and then keep that business here. So tell us about this idea stage to revenue stage. Is that kind of like a part of the mission statement or is there a mission statement? Yeah. The, I mean, honestly, the mission statement is, is probably kind of what I just said about it being a subjective process. We sort of have a triage initial meeting with you and we want to see where you're at. We want to listen to you, see what challenges you're having and see how we can use our resources to, to step in and help. So that's kind of our mission statement. But we like to get people through the whole process. I mean, we love seeing people that are having challenges, whether it be raising capital, marketing, anything like that. We like to seek them out, or if we're lucky enough, they seek us out, and we sort of get them to the next step, whether that be graduating from our program and going and opening your real business, launching a website, whatever your end goal may be. We just kind of want to step in and help you get there. But yes, the idea stage to revenue stage is kind of the process that we want to see. And what draws you to this? How did you find yourself in this role? Well, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship. I started my own business when I was 15 and sold it seven years later. And it's actually still in business up in Michigan where I'm from. What was it? It was a floating, it's basically a floating food truck. I had a 28 foot pontoon boat, sold burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, smoothies and things like that. So I did that for seven years in the summer. It's a short season up there. And then I sold it to an incoming freshman after seven years. And so she's still running it up there. So great little business. I made enough money to where I didn't have to work in the uh, off season in undergrad. So that was nice. So that's kind of where I just thought, I always thought it was awesome that I remember the first day I made a hundred bucks and I just thought it was cool that somebody was willing to pay for my idea and something that I built. I mean, we built the boat out ourselves. We did all the health department licensing and everything. And so that was kind of where I became interested in it. But then when I got down to Louisiana, I met our director, Charlie D'Agostino and saw what he was doing out here. And when I did my MBA, I was immediately interested. I got a graduate assistantship here and just loved what he was doing with students and local businesses and entrepreneurs in general. So that kind of got me more interested in it. And has that continued to just kind of fulfill that part of you or helping these oh, guys yeah. out? Yeah, it's different every day. We hear some crazy ideas. We hear some great ideas. It's, it's, it's a great position. It's, we love watching people succeed. It's, it's, it's great. Now tell us about some of the struggles you've seen that are common among entrepreneurs and how they've overcome them. <laughs> we see all kinds of them, honestly. I mean, everything from not having the proper processes in place to not having the proper team members. And usually we can kind of, from a strategy standpoint, point them in the right direction. The processes is a big one. If you don't have a business bank account, you don't have QuickBooks, you don't have an inventory system, but you're making money, it's hard to tell if you really are making money or not. And we have a lot of people that sort of hit the ground running and (laughs) it's a lot harder to back into those systems down the road. So we see that a lot. It's not disaster, but we can usually kind of help them get the right systems in place and overcome that. And raising capital is always a challenge too, especially here in Louisiana. So we tried our best to combat that. We get a lot of people kind of investor ready out here. Tell us about that as far as getting investor ready. I see a lot of young startups that we invest in and, and that whole investment ready. Yeah, we're not going to send you <laughs> when you're not ready. Obviously, there's some businesses that are investable from a more traditional venture capital standpoint, and there are some that are not. The ones that are not Kind of the best we can do sometimes is get them ready on paper. And it may be it may be even just crafting a sales pitch that you go pitch to a family member or a friend to raise some money. But it's always you want to know the terms. You want to approach this thing intelligently to where you don't make a decision that's going to hurt you down the road. Getting money is great, but if you give up too much equity 
or have to go back for round two and then end up losing control after that equity investment. We're kind of here to make sure that that doesn't happen, regardless of how you're. There's a lot of a lot of times you have to be really creative in raising capital down here, which we understand. So we just try to make sure that you don't lose control of your business. You don't end up having partners on board that don't fit with the the overall strategy. But as far as deliverables, we usually do some really in-depth pro forma financials. We'll do executive summaries. We'll do investor pitches, things like that to sort of physically get them ready. And on this whole journey from idea to revenue stage, being investment ready, where, where do your mentors, what part do they play? It kind of depends. A lot of them step in at all stages. Probably one of the most valuable things that I see from the mentors is just the networking, honestly, because we can usually provide most of the kind of education part of this whole process. We have all the resources to develop a strategy and kind of get you going where you need to. Obviously, it's always, always helpful to hear about somebody that's done it, especially if it's in the same industry that a lot of times, a lot of times they just want to hear the struggles and hear the story about somebody in the same industry that has done this. And that's where the mentors come in handy big time. But a lot of times it's just the network. They'll meet one person and then they'll end up, that mentor will introduce them to another person who aligns right with their strategy and right where they need to be. And I mean, it, it opens doors. We've seen that a lot with these mentors. That's that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen, honestly, because like I said, our staff here is usually capable of kind of producing the deliverables, for lack of a better term. But these mentors, kind of the soft side of it and the introductions and the networking is huge because a lot of times we can't provide that. So how would you uh, maybe encourage someone if someone wanted to start a business to get from idea to revenue stage and maybe they're just listening to this podcast from another part of the planet. What are some tips you can give based off of all you've seen? Honestly, the the first and foremost kind of most valuable part of this process that we see is talk to your customers. A lot of people think they have the greatest idea in the world. Maybe they've developed it through a lot of R&D. Maybe it's a maybe it's a high-level technology idea. If you haven't talked to your customers and done some market research and figured out if this is a real problem in the market, who knows if people need your idea? A lot of times people get caught up in the mindset that if you build it, they will come or I have the greatest thing ever and people need it when really you should be out talking to customers and listening to what they really need and maybe tweaking your technology or idea to fulfill that market need. If we have a meeting with somebody and we ask them what the what problem they're solving or what pain is out there right now that they're trying to combat and they can't answer it or they keep kind of talking in circles, that's a problem to us. So if you haven't talked to your customers and figured out what's really out there, what kind of monetary loss or pain is is existing, that's kind of a red flag to us. So talk to your customers. It's the best form of primary research. A lot of people also on that same coin, a lot of people are worried about everybody stealing their idea. There's measures that you can take to protect yourself, whether it be a provisional patent. If it's a really proprietary idea, you can do that before you talk to customers for not too expensive. Or you can just kind of pick and choose people that are do not have the capabilities to copy this idea and just practically would never do it. There's ways to talk to customers without jeopardizing people stealing your idea. We hear that a lot. So we can kind of aid in that process. A lot of times we'll help people create surveys and make sure that they're asking the right questions to these customers. But we can do a lot of research. We have a lot of databases here that help with market research and things like that. But if you don't go out and physically talk to people that are not your friends about this, because of course your friends are always going to tell you it's a great idea. So that's just something that's very valuable. And a lot of times that idea stage, before people put capital into this and create some risk for themselves, we encourage them to go talk to customers. I think you hit on a very critical point, that idea being so important. I see so many young entrepreneurs that put so much effort into the uniqueness of the idea. They have a great idea. They have to protect this idea. And I'm trying to help them understand that your idea is a very small fraction of this thing coming 
to yep. reality. That's so true. Yep, that's absolutely true. Maybe tell us, in your experience, the difference between great idea and execution of that becoming something. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we have seen so many businesses fail that are awesome ideas, that are great ideas. A lot of times, unfortunately, it's the team that in, that is in place that makes it fail. A lot of times we see people hire best friends and things like that. That usually doesn't work out. I know that's kind of an obvious one, but execution is huge. We have seen a lot of great ideas fail for all kinds of reasons. So, I mean, we're, we kind of tell people that we're not really here to judge the idea anyway, even if we're not really on board with the idea. We try to do some research and sort of make the entrepreneur figure it out themselves that it's not worth pursuing. So if it's a great idea, we do our best to try to help them get everything that they need to in place. But just like you said, if they can't execute it, if there's some flaws in the process and the planning process especially, it's not going to happen no matter how great the idea is. We've seen that a lot. And then we've, we've, we have seen so many times somebody try an idea and then another person come in and execute it perfectly. And do it. Yeah, I have a, an angel investor friend of mine that says that if you can't execute your great idea, then you will execute your great idea. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> always tells me that. We see it all the time. It's it's so true. Any last words, parting words for the young entrepreneurs out there as far as uh, something you'd like to leave with them? Honestly, just if, if you have an idea and you, you want to pursue it, there's, there's ways to, to kind of bootstrap it and take advantage of resources that we have right here in Baton Rouge. It's not costly. It's never too early stage to come talk to us. We have a lot of resources that can kind of help get you over that hump of whether or not this is a good idea to pursue. Just please come talk to us. If you have any kind of idea, you don't need to apply. You don't, it's not going to cost any money. You're not going to be tied to us. But if, if you're thinking about this, even kicking around idea, please come talk to us. We've seen a lot of people that just literally thought of things the day before that turn out to be something great. You can work for yourself rather than going to apply for jobs after you graduate. So please come talk to us. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kenny. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.